welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing, and then some. I'm your host, a legendary Randy Erickson, and don't be shocked that we have another episode this week. I'm getting uh, some great guests coming up, so we should actually be pretty regular for a little while, at least till we get into the to the off season, and then uh, actually have some ideas. Even then, so. Um, even though you're probably not all going to be training for anything important, you're at least going to have some episodes. So we've got some, like I said, I think last week, got some Itera, some Rodrigues, and Croatia episodes coming up. So um, hope you enjoy them. I'm going to have an interesting weekend. We have some uh, couple of guys coming from Norway who are test a course here in the Black Hills for the U.S. Extreme Triathlon. Um, so they're going to be in the water at 4 a.m. It's going to be dark and cold. Paulette will be uh, safety kayaking. And then they're going to ride about 120 through the Black Hills and then a little uh, 42K trail run to finish at Mount Rushmore. So um, we'll be putting some stuff together for that uh it's one of those races that's very limited hopefully they're going to be putting it on next year so you know, we'll keep you informed of that um yeah that's enough right you don't want to listen to me so uh go fast take chances thanks for listening and uh peace out thanks everybody. hi randy are you hearing me now i am loud and clear Okay, I don't know what I did. It should have been should have been working last time. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I I actually think it might be something when people call me because yeah. I had that before. So okay, who knows? I mean, we're talking halfway around the world for nothing. Yeah, yeah. So, it's what, so how can we complain? <laughs> it's amazing how it works. It is, and actually, you sound really good. Uh, make yeah, people happy. I've got my uh, earpiece in, so it's probably a little bit better than just talking on the uh, speakerphone thing. Yeah, it does. It sounds good. So, um, All right, I'm going to start by going out on the limb. Okay. Um, are you and Tom brothers? No. Okay. Many, many people have asked us that, but we're definitely <laughs> not. He, he's, very, he's very English, and I'm very Welsh. Okay. <laughs> Another clear distinction. Yes, I mean, not to us Americans, but to the rest of the world, that's a distinction. <laughs> oh, it's massive between English and Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, okay. it, it's, I think it's similar between Canadians and Americans and Kiwis and Aussies. It's a similar type relationship. So, that's, yeah, well, okay. So I don't feel too dumb because everybody asks. <laughs> yeah. Have you interviewed Tom before? I think you may have. I did, That's why. because yeah. that was going to be my joke. It's like, yeah. you've been tired of... Him bragging about being on the podcast. <laughs> so, um, all right. So we know you're not Tom. You're Gary. But who are you? Um, okay. So I'm a 42-year-old uh, proud Welshman. Um, uh, so my day job's a chartered civil engineer. That's what I do in the day. Mm-hmm. Um I guess on the physical side of things, I used to play rugby in school and the early years of university, um, then started to play rugby kind of at senior level, very low senior level after university, but got a knee injury. Um, 
and then kind of fell into outdoorsy stuff like um, walking the hills, bit of mountain biking, and I think in 2007, um, six guys from work, um, we did this charity challenge for British Heart Foundation, which was effectively an adventure race, but wasn't, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and me and another guy called Matt Unsworth, we kind of said, well, surely there must be more races like this or events around, and we discovered Sleep Monsters, and the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> was it, um, like, the first one you were like, yeah, this is this is it for me? Yeah, I think that's that, that was the hook, um, yeah. where we thought, actually, we, we quite enjoyed this, and we did pretty well. Um, and as it happened, he lives up in the Y Valley between... Wales and England, and a, a certain Tom Gibbs had organised an eight-hour adventure race in, literally in his village, I think a few months after the, the charity event. Um, so him and I thought, well, let's give that a crack. Uh, and I think we did quite well, not because we were good adventure racers, but because he knew the area so well, he, he knew where to go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I've... Uh... I experienced that the first time that I shot Primal Quest, you know, in the Black Hills. Like I tell people, one of the one of the checkpoints was was 250 yards from my house. Okay, yeah. It it makes it easy to uh, kind of figure out. Yeah, they've got to go this way. So yeah, it helps. So, I mean, so once you got started, was it? I mean, were you? crazy nuts or did you kind of work into it how you know how long did it take you before you were into expeditions um so matt and i raced a, as a pair uh for a number of years um sort of eight hour races at the time they were five to six hour races and we started doing 12 and 24 hour races in the uk um and then i think i did a a race in ireland which was a 36 hour race um, called the Bally Who Are a Beast uh, with a Jill Watson, who you may have heard of, mm -hmm. um, and that was the next level for me. Thirty-six hour racing with a proper team of four, so proper adventure racing, yeah. um, with a female teammate. And I came back from that thinking I want to do more of this. And uh, but we struggled for a girl. We didn't know any girl or female that could have those kind of qualities. And I literally. Uh, walked up to the nearest mountain bike shop to where I live and I said uh, hi guys uh, I'm looking for a female I can do a bit of running biking kayaking do you know of any and they said uh, well actually yeah my wife's pretty pretty good that kind of stuff and so was her friend um, and then from there we can kind of did an urban race in Bristol together called the rut race um, and that, that's where Natalie who I've raced with more times than I'd like to mention um, overseas and I got together and kind of that blossomed um, where we've kind of almost been teammates in almost every race we've done and the we effectively developed a squad by joining up with other similar minded people uh, to a point where we did I think Untamed New England in 2009-ish which was our first proper yeah. adventure race a multi-day cool Shoot, I missed you by a year. I think my first Untamed was 10 in 10. Okay. And the most memorable part of that race was um, there was a canoe section, which, a way not canoeists or very good kayakers at all, 
Uh, but we thought we'd just chuck the thing in the water and, and head down. Then we noticed that the other racers were taking their canoes down the bank for 100 metres um, and then in. And we soon realised why, because there was grade three or four rapids <laughs> in the section they were portaging around and we got checked out. And we hadn't, we hadn't tied our bags in either, so we were lucky that the, the canoe had turned over and trapped the, the bags and kit underneath. Yeah, so you have you have a wonderful untamed New England story like almost everybody else in that race. Oh yeah, and the other story from that race was it was absolutely uh, peeing it down the rain. Uh, I think it was last night, and we had to dive into somebody's uh, garage underneath their building, away from the rain. Yeah. Um, and there was moose cl- um, smashing antlers together as a reindeer or something. That was really scary. <laughs> Oh. It was an eventful uh, few days. So, when you stepped up to a multi-day, what? Um, I mean, was that even more like, yeah, this is for me, or was it a huge learning curve? Um, yeah, I think. We, I mean, I mean, I think the people I've raced with, as I am, are quite competitive. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's true of all adventure races, but. I think we got to a point where we plateaued a little bit. Uh, we didn't seem to be progressing up the table as as much as we would have liked. Um, I'm kind of over the years we've tried to identify why that was. Navigation was a, I think, one key component of that because we seemed to be doing fairly well in races, and then we drop a huge clangor somewhere by and lose, you know, several hours. Um, and that that was. We did that quite regularly, including we did God's Zone in 2016, and we effectively lost 24 hours by just making two massive navigational errors yeah. when we were in the top nine in the first day. So I think I think since then we've prioritised navigation over fitness, uh, and as a result we've done far better. Hmm. Uh, it's interesting that you were able to. Um, identify that so I mean so you guys have always been you know a fit team and you just need to learn on all those little things like yeah (laughs) yeah I I think I think we've learned to go a little bit slower and if we need to stop to double check it's actually okay Mm -hmm. whereas I think before the navigator I used to navigate as primary nav, but I was prone to making errors when I was tired. So that that role has gone to two other guys in the team now, and I act as backup nav. Um, and if if the guys need to stop to check something, everybody's okay with that. But previously, there'd be pressure on the nav just to keep moving, uh, and as a result of that, errors made. Yeah. So learning that lesson, which is a big lesson, was it like one? Like the God Zones was like the one big mistake, or was it just something you realized over a period of time? I think um, we thought initially that it was just one-offs, but it mm. kept happening time and time again. Um, and I think with experience, we've learned that actually you can still do pretty well by going a little bit s- slower, yeah. um, making less or no navigational mistakes, and just by looking after each other and being fairly fairly consistent through transitions yeah makes sense so what do you i mean what it is a, a sort of a dumb question but most of mine are 
What's the ratio of mental not making mistakes to physical for you guys now? I mean, it sounds like you started oh, it's all, out real physical. It's all mental. Okay. Um, I think I mean, we all, I mean, the guys the guys and girls in the, the squad are fairly fit individuals. Um, it's just getting that blend of the right people together. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we have experienced clashes in a team before, so we try and avoid clashes and make sure that we're all on the same page before we go into the race. And I mean, <clears throat> I tend to be the team, uh, the team captain, yeah. and I try to inst- instill an ethos of openness where people get things off the chest um, before they bottle up and blow up, um, and just kind of looking after each other really yeah. is key. Okay, no names, but have you ever raced with somebody and you thought it would be perfect, and it's like? You know, you're 14 hours in, and you're like, "Oh, this is not going to work out." Uh, yeah, I've I've had I've had uh, no names, but I have had massive, um, you know, toe to toes with a, a few individuals. Yeah. I think that's just that's just uh, char- I think that's just characters just mm-hmm. clashing when yeah. we're under fairly intense pressure in, in normal day to day life. Um, we would get on, but in kind of under that intense pressure things do get said and misunderstood and miscommunicated and that kind of issues yeah i mean the 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 compression of time in uh dealing with people is it's so compressed in adventure racing i mean you learn everything almost immediately yeah which is the good and the bad yeah yeah and we we've got a general policy, but we have broken it recently that we we don't tend to want to race for people we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did actually break that rule in Aterra, <laughs> Scotland. <laughs> and I'm going to say it probably worked out okay. It did, yeah, very well actually. It's it a, a pleasant surprise. Yeah. So well, I mean, I I think you do hear the good things more than the bad because you know people hide the when it all goes to hell. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's true. Um, I mean, I know a, f- a few stories where yeah. there was massive arguments within a team, but they're not very well publicized. Yeah, yeah I mean, if if you've been around, you, you know those. Yeah. And, and, and you learn that there are certain people that just maybe shouldn't be racing. Yeah, well, I, I guess you, you've seen that watching races. You know, you, you can tell if a team isn't getting on um, I've seen it during a race where yeah. why that we, we might be passing a team and there might be three guys up ahead and the fourth member 200 meters behind. They yep. just just seem to be the, the team cohesion's not there. They're not really looking after each other. Yeah, yeah. There's that, and then there's uh, yeah, and it's almost always the new person, which you know that's yeah. what's so when you get I, one person coming onto a team. So kudos for you guys for making it work this time. Yeah, it, it is really tough for um, a new member to come in. Um, there, there was one other team in Itera, uh three guys and a girl, and I, the three guys were Spanish. I can't remember who they were, and the mm-hmm. girl was English. <clears throat> and I felt really sorry for her because not only was she speaking a different language, but she was new to the team. But actually, I think they yeah. got on pretty well, um, yeah. and she was a fairly strong-minded individual anyway, so uh, I think she she coped. <laughs> yeah, well... 
and quite honestly, people that do that, whether they're men or women that will, will jump onto a team like that, they know that that's going to be the, what happens. And, yeah. And I think they're ready to deal with it. Although I do remember in Ecuador, oh, shoot, who was it? I don't remember who, but the American gal was on the Spanish team, and she basically made me walk with her for like 45 minutes just so she could talk English for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, she said it was so mentally hard. I mean, they, you know, her team, a couple of them sort of, you know, had some English, and but it's just you got to think so hard about what's being said. And, and Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, not only. I mean, I think people underestimate uh, body language, and body mm-hmm. language different uh, is different between cultures. So, yeah. a, a Spaniard's body language is very different, maybe very different to, say, a British uh, person. Mm-hmm. So, for a, a foreigner to go into a, effectively a foreign team and try and understand how they operate, what they're doing, how they're communicating—not only verbally but through the body language—is very difficult. Yeah, I have a hard time like uh, in Portugal or, or South or Central America that realizing that 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 culture, to me, everything sounds like an argument. Yeah. In the construction industry, I mean, I've worked with uh, many other uh, cultures, Spain, French, Canadians, um, Eastern Balkans, and I, I found the Spanish to be very, very vocal and emotional in a way they communicate and yep. negotiate but actually that's just just the way they do things that's yeah. normal for them yeah you know and i'm this uh quiet american you know nordic you know and to me it's like they're going to kill each other yeah and they're just having a conversation yeah <laughs> so. I, was, I was actually in a construction project in uh, montreal in 2009 and 10 which is how i did the untamed mm-hmm. and it, it was a, a, a british design consultant working in a a French-speaking uh, state in Quebec, uh, working with Spanish contractors. Um, you know, it was, it was uh, very difficult conditions at times. It would be so. Um, so that fascinates me a little bit. So we're going to make a little bit of a turn. So, so what is it that you do when you go there? Consulting. You know, you're an engineer, which you know that means a lot of things. Yeah, so um, I'm a chartered civil engineer, so um, build things outside generally. Um, I don't, I, I don't generally specialize in buildings, uh, but things like highways, water, um, new commercial residential developments, that kind of thing, airports. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the project that drew, drew me to Montreal was uh, effectively a new uh, auto route, a highway that would bypass Montreal because the previous um, highway went through Montreal and there's, there's a lot of congestion. So I was I was there effectively being like a design coordinator because the design, part of the design was being done in Hong Kong, some was being done in England, um, some was in, being done in New York and I was effectively coordinating the bit from the section uh, being done by Birmingham in England um, oh. and communicating that to the contractor on site. Yeah. So you're bringing everything together, and yeah, and uh, so you're the guy that takes all the smart stuff and then writes it out on a napkin so that so us idiot construction guys can figure it out. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I've uh, so I've you know I my real job is you know construction remodeling for yeah you know, how many years and like yeah if I get a napkin I'm happy but I I like my clients that are like 
go and that's why I'm literally right now I'm standing in the middle of a bathroom remodel. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I have, like, yeah, do it. <laughs> I can tell from your previous podcast you're quite a practical guy. Yeah. Just yeah. Tell me tell me what you want and I'll figure it out. Yeah. We 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 having the roof roof redone in our house right now, so the scaffolding went up today. Yeah. Yeah, that's a semi exciting. I I just came back from Iceland and watched some this is how I am, yeah. I stood for twenty minutes and watched some guys changing a metal you know, ripping off the metal roof and yeah. It's okay. Like, that looks like a lot of work. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've discovered this, I think, but there's a lot of engineers in adventure racing. You're right. Why? Um, I th yeah, I, I think it's uh, engineers and medical mm -hmm. t type people I've discovered. Um, and the reason why, is it maybe problem-solving element of it? Mm -hmm. I don't, maybe... Um, yeah, have, have you had similar responses from other people? Yeah, I think I think it's the the problem solving or the putting maybe putting the pieces together. Yeah, um, you know, I I guess if you think about it, that's like building a highway, right? You got you know from point A to point B, and you got all these little things you got to do in the middle. So, um, yeah, so I guess if you want to be a good adventure racer, go to engineering school. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe a few doctors' surgeries or something. I mean, yeah. a lot, of my, a lot, a lot of my friends uh, here and uh, they're they're fell runners, mountain bikers, cavers, um, but and a, a majority of them are from the engineering or medical industries. That's, that's yeah, it's interesting, you know, how that. So I don't think goes. it's just I don't think it's just um, adventure racing. I think it's just outdoor. Uh, way of life. They they, yeah. they do attract a lot of engineers and medical people. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess maybe part of it is is you're, and maybe you're not particularly, but you know, if you're in a job where you're inside all day, it's it it's nice to have that, be able to get out. This might be part of it too. Yeah, but then there's a significant uh, many others who have desk jobs and they don't do what we do. Um, well, yeah. So I don't think that's the reason. Yeah, I mean, it just helps that you guys are all nuts. <laughs> yeah, I have several conversations with guys in work about you know me being nuts, as they put it. Yeah. But I just feel I've normalised it now. Um, yeah. Well, I have for several years, ten years probably. Was I think I'm normal um, because I I mix with similar-minded people who do similar yeah. things. Yeah. Whereas. Most of the people in work think I'm absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, but then someone did say to me, "You do realise that alcoholics think they're normal as well, right?" <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so when you come back to work after like an Itera, does anybody ask about it, or even understand, or have you just um, quit trying to explain it to them? Um. So I. So what I tend to do is I, in my out-of-office email response, I, I put down the bottom after my signature, oh, by the way, um, I'm doing this race and provide a link to the race I'm doing. Huh. Um, so th I sometimes then get uh, responses saying, good luck and how do you get on and some interest. Huh. Um, I mean, I've, I've been my current employer now for 18, 19 years, so they 
generally get what I do and yeah. my holidays aren't really holidays um, to them, but they are to me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's general interest. For example, I'm actually putting on a presentation tomorrow lunchtime to the people in work uh, for those that are interested. Um, so that's what I'll be doing tonight after this uh, call just to prepare that presentation. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that, that's cool that there there is some interest there. So Yeah. Um, all right. My ignorance again. So do you get enough holidays to race as much as you want or do you have to pick and choose? Uh, definitely pick and choose. Okay. Um, so I get um, five weeks holidays a year, yeah. which is, I guess, quite a lot for you guys in the States. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and so I have to balance that between my domestic life and my adventure racing desires. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you there. So, so, so I'm kind of limited to doing one overseas expedition race a year, generally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, you make it work. Yeah. <laughs> we'd, we'd all like to race or be at a race. Yeah, I shouldn't say race, but every week if we could, but... <laughs> oh, I'd love that. I mean, it's amazing how, you know, some of the teams in the World Series, the the, the guys and girls in the, in the top three to five, um, you know, they the number of races they have to do to be at that level. Yeah. Um, but then I think it, it does come down to the type of work you do. Like some work in very flexible uh, ways, some are out, you know, they work for themselves, some are outdoor instructors so they've got a bit more flexibility than your traditional employer yeah well and that's where i'm at you know i work for myself and when i end up being friends with almost everybody i work for and i just say hey you know i'm i'm gonna be gone two weeks next month and they're like okay yeah (laughs) so uh, yeah i mean picking and choosing how do you what um how do you pick a race what intrigues you you know, what's, how does that work for you? Mm, good question. Um, I don't. I don't really know. I think just something pops up. You think, oh, yeah, that tickles my fancy, but I don't know why. Mm. Um, I mean, I've done race. I mean, I've done a God Zone race once. I've done two Expedition Africa races. Uh, did Apex in Switzerland uh, about seven years ago. Costa Rica World Champs, Portugal. Untamed, um, and the four races in the UK in the last was it seven no nine years roughly, yeah. um, and I mean going I mean I would love to do for example Patagonia at some point in my in my life yeah uh, I'd love to go back to God Zone at some point too yeah and maybe I would like to do a race in uh, Southern America at some point yeah if we well. C to C in Florida is a nice four-day race in February. Okay, <laughs> I always I got I always got to push that one because Jeff Jeff brings me down to Florida for a week in February, so it's like, yeah, I'll pimp out your race for you. Okay. <laughs> so, um, well, here you want to seek want a a secret rumor? Yes, please. Um, that Eco may go to Patagonia next year. Ooh, that's, <laughs> that's no longer a secret. Uh, yeah, the 17 people that listen to this, but... Yeah, I don't know, it's the farm one that, I know that. Yeah, okay. Anyway, that that was a rumor I got from somebody that got it as a rumor, so... Which makes okay. sense, because that would, you know... 
where else do you take that race? So, so what time of year would that might that be? I would guess. Well, that's a good question. It could be any time because they don't have a schedule. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I was planning to do um, Lesotho Expedition Africa in April. Mm-hmm. That was uh, our team plan next year. Yeah. So I w- I would guess Eco wouldn't be till fall again. I mean, I I can't see him doing it less than a calendar year apart. Yeah. yeah so. But, I guess I guess that'll clash then with the world champs, potentially, or be very near to it. Yeah, it would. So, yeah, um, yeah it'll be interesting. Interesting to see how it all plays out. So, mm. I'd love, I'd love, I'd love to know what um, Craig thinks of Eco Challenge, honestly. Um, so, the, the so they're the two premier races, I guess, the world champs uh, in the Adventure Racing World Series and Eco Challenge now. Yeah, they must be competing for you know the same kind of people and teams. Yeah, at, I mean at least at say like the top fifteen teams. Yeah, I think after that probably it it, it there's not a lot of uh, of uh, crossover. So, yeah. well, and the other thing that I did, so this will be out next week. So more stuff will be out. But I did hear that it was a race. It wasn't a made-for-TV event, so I was happy to hear about that. So. Okay. Um, but enough about that. Tell me about the midges. Uh, yeah, midges. I'll be honest with you, they weren't as bad as I expected. Okay. So I did the um, – there's another race in Scotland in 2012 called the Sting. Um, <clears throat> that was a bit further south, and I found the midges in that race far worse than – uh, the recent terror race in in the Highlands. Um, I, I mean, I I, th- I took my midge net and I think I only wore it twice at transitions. Mm. It's quite it's quite windy that week, um, okay. so that helped a lot. Um, and it was quite cool. It wasn't cold. It wasn't too hot. So I guess it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Okay. Because I I had read a few things and I think actually. Uh, reporters want to make it sound maybe a little worse than it really was. <laughs> uh, I think I, I think ticks was a, made a worse problem. I heard really? a story. I heard a story where a someone from the media squatted down. I'm not sure how true this is, so I might be wrong. Uh, but they, they uh, someone from the media squatted down uh, to take some photos of somebody, and then she got up and then went back to the middle hall or car or something. Uh, and they discovered something, tens of uh, ticks on her rear end <laughs> and the back of her legs and in a, a genital area. Um, so, so I'm not sure how public that story is, how true it is, but that's what I heard. Yeah, well, no names, but... Yeah, yeah. but I don't, know, I don't know the names, so I couldn't even give you a name. <laughs> um, I mean, I believe it. We have ticks here and they're not usually too bad, but... I mean, there's days, you know, like in July when it's high season, I'll pull 15 or 20 off the dog, so. Okay, well, I mean, nobody in our team got any, I don't think, so yeah. it was just a bit of a freak occurrence. Yeah, well, it, yuck. She, she, she must have, like, squatted down next to the nest or something. Yeah, you know, just in the wrong spot at the wrong time. But, yeah. yeah. So, um, okay, this is the part of the podcast everybody likes where I say, tell me about the race. 
No, I don't have to talk. Uh, okay. Um, so I'll give you a brief introduction. So it's it was billed as a five-day adventure race, mm -hmm. uh, 565 kilometers long with 13,000 meters of ascent uh, in the Highlands. Yeah. Well, it didn't actually specify the Highlands. Yes, it did, actually. Uh, and we would meet in Inverness, which is on the northeastern <clears throat> coast in Scotland. I mean, I, I considered driving up from South Wales, but <laughs> I didn't realize how far it was until I did a Google uh, directions thing, and I think it would have taken me, you know, a majority of the day to get there. Um, but I, in the end, I decided to fly up. Um, yeah, so when the details came through um, a week before, like the the stage itinerary, um, it was 11 stages um, with, I think there was roughly equal, the, the, dis, the main disciplines were split roughly equally between kayak, mountain bike and foot in terms of time. Um, so that's what we had in advance of the race. Mm. Um, and they did release as well like a, a fast team schedule and a slow team schedule. So we had a rough idea of how long it might take. Um, yeah, so I guess, do you want me to go into each stage? Yeah, let's, yeah, let's just... You start talking about me, and when I have a dumb question, I'll ask. Okay. Um, so, on, I can't remember what day it was now, but anyway, the first day doesn't matter. Uh, we were bust. I think we have taken a coach uh, for a few hours to uh, Castle, which is quite picturesque. Mm. Um, and the, it was effectively a prologue, just to split the teams up a little bit, I guess. But that was a 4 yeah. to 5K run. Um, and then the next proper stage was a 20-kilometer kayak along the the eastern coast uh, into a di whiskey distillery, um, which was great. I read that. Yeah, but I was I was disappointed that you guys didn't get to do shots. Yeah, so was I. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we were we were warned before the uh, the race started that we wouldn't get anything, and that yeah. the distiller would give us little um, bottles of souvenirs, and we got those at the finish line, which was, which was great. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know distilleries tend to have kind of dry seasons, and so maybe they weren't in operation at the time or something. I don't know. But yeah. anyway, um, yeah. So an interesting story, I guess, when I got into that transition was um, I, w I was um, intending to change into my cycling gear, and then when I went into my bike box where I thought I'd put them, they weren't there. So um, I didn't have any cycling shorts to put on. I only had my kind of running gear. And uh -oh. we, had a, we had a 110 kilometer mountain bike stage coming up, so uh oh, I'm going to man up and uh, basically rip my undercarriage to bits here. Uh, but luckily, uh, Lucy and our team um, had a spare pair of shorts. But she, I, mean, I mean, she's a she's a slim lady, and I'm a I would say a, a slightly larger. You're not a slim lady. <laughs> I'm not a slim lady. Yeah. So there was the. Uh, Anatomy, anatomical difference, and there was yeah. definitely a size difference. But luckily, they fitted me, so that was okay. So she came to the rescue. <laughs> yeah, so that's a um, teammate. Oh yeah. Um, and then there was a 110 mountain bike ride, basically from the east coast in uh, west into the Highlands. Um, that was quite eventful for us because we had a puncture. We a Tom sliced his tire about what, two to five kilometers in. Which was unfortunate, and we couldn't. Yeah. The the sealant wouldn't seal it; it was too big. Mm. Um, so that wasn't a great start, but we fixed it. Um, several teams passed us at, at, at that point, but we carried on. 
yeah. Um, yeah, and that was a nice, nice fast ride. Um, quite a lot of track and road. Quite tricky navigation at the start of stage, but we got through it. So it's so you're on tracks and roads, and, but you're saying tricky navigation. Is that because there are so many little roads and trails, and or the, why the is it hard? The tricky navigation bit was um, through a forest near the start of that stage, and there was multiple route choices. Um, I mean, looking at the trackers post-race, there was two or three three different route choices. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there was a little bit of luck in which one was the fastest. Um, I don't think I don't think we picked the fastest route, but it was the most obvious route. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, any good navigator would take. I think. So I mean, back to your uh, your philosophy of you know taking your time and figuring it out, and not getting lost. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and we, well, I mean, so just to give a bit of background to the team, which I haven't quite done yet. But um, so the roles were: I was team captain with no primary navigation role, but could act as backup nav. Mm-hmm. We had Tom. Tom's a very good orienteer. Um, very good mountain navigator as well, so he was effectively primary navigation navigator, uh, and then Ben uh, Turner is also a good navigator um, as his main deputy, I guess. Yeah. And uh, and us three have raced together, uh, not as a three that often, um, but we've raced together in some form or other several times, so we got to know each other pretty well. And and then Lucy uh, Noble was new to the team. Yeah. Uh, um, and we didn't know what to expect, really. We, I mean, I, I'd only met her once in New Zealand, once in the UK, and um, yeah, just um, see how we get on. Yeah. Did you? I mean, was it one of those things that your normal fourth, you just couldn't get any of them, and you had to reach out? Yeah. So I mean, Natalie Taylor is a normal girl, um, but she couldn't make that race, and she'd she'd prioritise doing an Ironman uh, in Wales. Um, okay. This yeah. year, so uh, her, her priorities for 2019 were slightly different. So she she wasn't available. So we had to reach out uh, to somebody else. Yeah. So, well, sounds like you got a good one. She gave <laughs> gave you Def- her shorts. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess coming back to the race then. Yeah. Um, so then stage three was a builds a 55 kilometer kayak with a with a a short but very big um, foot um, mini stage within mm. that 55 kilometers. Um, it was a, like a trek up a, a conical kind of mountain. Um, it was great going up it in the dark, but it absolutely rained cats and dogs with severe winds on the way down. Yeah, that was an eventful one. But, um, I mean, that, that was a key stage in the race for everybody because um, the... There was there was portaging build for that stage. Everybody was told to bring portage trolleys. Yeah. But as it turned out, there was um, there was long distances. And this was on the mainland, so this was between the lakes or lochs, as they call them in Scotland. Mm-hmm. We had to basically find a, a route between these little patches of lakes or lochs uh, from one to the other, um, and where you'd expect to see kind of little streams or. Uh, joining them, they sometimes they were either very shallow or didn't exist because uh, they were in different catchments. We had to carry the boats from one to the next. 
and um, the, the terrain was quite rough very lots of heather in some places lots of rock in other places and boulders so there's significant you know sit on top carrying and pulling in that stage and that was during the night um, of course. yeah so there's a lot of uh, blasphemy and swearing at the <laughs> race organizer Tom Gibbs in that section uh, and then when we got to the the west coast the the winds had picked up so instead of paddling around the main uh, uh, the coastline we had to effectively carry the boats up over the peninsulas um, so that was pretty tough too yeah yeah so did uh, when you go to a race in Scotland do you I mean was the weather what you expected or or was it was it worse I, the way I look at things is I I expect the worst no, I, I plan for the worst. Expect the the better. No, sorry, okay. I, put, I said that wrong. Yeah. So plan, expect the worst, um, but then if it's if it's better, you know, it's, it's a blessing. Yeah, it's a it's yeah, it's a bonus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And to to be fair, the weather. I mean, it was pretty harsh at times. There's high winds and there's yeah. a bit of heavy rain, but in general, it was pretty good. Okay. But I, I guess we're used to that. It's British weather. Um, I mean, if you're coming from, you know, continental Europe where um, it might be nice and sunny at that time of year, then you might be in for a bit of a shock. Yeah. Um, was it um, to the, the – how do I want to say this? Was it the bad weather that didn't last so long that it wasn't totally miserable and, and, and you know, almost fun to talk about now? I mean, it didn't last for five days, so that's. Oh no, 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 no! It was, uh, it was just. To be honest, I think it. I mean, over the five days, it rained. I don't know, less than a quarter of the time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So enough to make it miserable, but not horrible. Yeah, it was. I. I mean, we expected either rain or midges, um, but it. Um, we, we got a lot of good weather as well, or you know, n no midges or no rain, which is always a bonus. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's so. So I mean, so out of those two paddling sections, like time-wise, how much was paddling and how much was carrying a boat? <laughs> oh, good question. Um, so from memory, it was. I can't remember the build it as. I, I think the effectively. It was a 55k kayak stage, and I think somebody somewhere has measured how much boat carrying or pulling or dragging was, and it was 25k. Wow, which is quite significant. I mean, I have not, I'm not verified yeah. or checked that myself, but that's what I've read somewhere, maybe on a tack point or somewhere. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, well, and just the stuff I've read, that that sounds right. <laughs> so maybe in the order of 40, 60, or 50, 50. Wow. Uh, and this, I think the stage took longer than even the organisers expected, even mm -hmm. for the top teams. So um, that meant even the the top teams were behind schedule um, after that stage. Yeah. Um, so not to, not to kill on portaging, but is that like the worst thing in adventure racing? It was at the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but actually, looking back, that was probably one of the most memorable things about the yeah. race. Yeah. It's the it's the tough bits, the races that you probably remember the most. You, d yeah. you don't generally remember the good times. Mm -hmm. The really easy times. Yeah. Well, you know that is the joke here when I ask people about their best and worst times, 
everybody knows their worst <laughs> without even thinking about it. <laughs> that is so true, yeah. Because yeah. uh, I, I was thinking on my ride back from work earlier, I was thinking, well, he's going to ask me about the good times and the bad times. <laughs> I can always remember the bad times yep. and the arguments and the, where things didn't quite work out as we expected. I was struggling to think of really nice, good times. It's not to say that they don't happen, but they're, they're less memorable several years on. It is. It's just, it's just strange. You guys are all like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I, I read someplace, and I was just curious about that. This that you had to set your tents up. Yeah. Um, so, uh, shall I continue? I guess. Yeah. Through yeah. This? Keep going. When, uh, we get when, there, when I get there. Me. Yeah, I, I try to remember where that was. Yeah. So after the kayak, there was um, a 65k foot stage, which is basically the the we thought that would be the probably the big queen, king or queen stage, I guess, of the race. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was pretty big. Um, and I think so. at the, the end of the kayak stage, there was a mandatory um, canyoning stage. And if you didn't make the cutoff for that, you'd get an eight-hour penalty. Okay. Uh, and we, we got there just after the cutoff stated in the race booklet, but because everybody was running late, they, luckily for us, they extended the cutoff time by a few hours. So we were just able to make that and um, avoid the eight-hour penalty, which is good, but we were still behind overall race schedule. Um, And it was that point where we started thinking about dropping checkpoints because we we thought that if, if the top... Uh, you know, three to five teams at that point were, you know, were behind schedule. Then we, I think, at that point, were probably fifth or sixth. That we probably wouldn't make the entire course within yeah. the the time limit because there was a time limit um, at the end. We had to get yeah. to Inverness by a certain time on the Friday, yeah. and there's also another stage. I think it was stage nine or a section that we had to get to a rafting section by a certain time. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd incur another eight-hour penalty. Mm-hmm. So, at that point, Tom and Ben, who were looking at the maps, started working backwards from that point, and we all agreed that cutting maybe two of the um, most difficult checkpoints on that leg was a good idea, um, and we all agreed. So, on that king stage of 65 kilometers, um, stage four, we dropped two, two, maybe two, maybe three um, checkpoints, but got through it okay overnight. Yeah, yeah so just a, a strategy call. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think then at the end of that stage, um, uh, that was the um, mandatory, was that the mandatory tent put up? So I think we had to put the tent up for 20 minutes yeah. um, outside the village hall um, and but we, I think we that was our first sleep. Um, so we didn't sleep the first night. We didn't quite sleep within darkness on the second night, but we slept in the early hours of the following morning for two or two and a half hours. Okay. And and the tent thing is that just like make sure you had your mandatory tent with you. Um, that was in the transition bag. Yeah. Okay. So we 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 didn't need to carry it with us. We had okay. to carry like a four man bothy. Yeah. Four man. Yeah. Um, so, dumb American question again. When you're trekking through Scotland, is it uh, not wilderness, or are there villages and little farms? And, and I mean, 
What's what's it like when you're out there? Uh, so the Highlands are pretty pretty wild. Um, okay. Lots of ruins. So I guess where farms used to be 50 or so years ago. Um, there wasn't there wasn't any in the section that we went to. We didn't see any villages okay. did, within the legs. But I guess at the transitions, of, of course, there, there would be villages because that's where the village halls were. Yeah. Um, but between between transitions of the legs, there, it was absolute wilderness. Yeah. That's. I mean, I find that interesting that. You know, you guys are you guys are a fairly small island that's been there a long time, and I, it just still amazes me how much open space you had. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, in Wales and England, um, I don't think you can probably walk more than uh, ten miles until you get to a village of some sort or some kind of urban uh, area. But in Scotland, you can go far longer without seeing anybody. Yeah. So, I, and I'm guessing. You really like that because who wants to be around people? Oh, exactly. Yeah, I I, I love it being in the wilderness. I mean, there's yeah. there's a there's the Brecon Beacons in South Wales, um, and if you go one way from the road, it's full of people, but if you go the opposite direction, is absolutely nobody. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's cool. So, so the big Queen trekking stage. What was next? Um, so. So the next bit was meant to be a mountain bike trek, mountain bike, um, but the the middle trekking bit was cancelled because everybody was running behind schedule. Okay. So it effectively became a 160-kilometer mountain bike stage, um, which was great for us because I think that was our strength. Okay. Uh, so that was effectively down the west coast and in a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, back into the highlands. Um, I don't think there are any great stories from that section. Yeah. Beautiful single track, um, bit of road. We climbed the, the, the longest continuous road in the UK uh, called Balakhnabar, yeah. um, which I've never done before. So that was a, a tick the box, cool. which is great. Yeah. So when they cancel that trekking section, do you guys start to think, well, maybe now we made a mistake by dropping checkpoints? Yes, we were slightly annoyed actually, because um, yeah. we 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 knew that may happen, um, mm-hmm. but we banked an idea that wouldn't happen, and uh, we were slightly annoyed. And I think we expressed that to the race director in some transition somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. but I guess I guess I mean he's got to get you know at least a few teams to do the long course yeah. um, by the end. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure you were just totally polite gentleman expressing your displeasure oh yeah we we i mean, we, I mean all of us knew know yeah. james thurlow pretty well i mean he's a yeah. fantastic race director he's done a lot for the sport in the uk yeah. and he's he's very good at it um and tom gibbs the planner we know pretty well as well i mean he's, yeah. he's, he did an amazing job yeah. yes in both i, think I guess both been on so nice people yeah I, I guess i mean they they took a risk on having kayaks stages on open water on yeah. both the west and east coast and also maybe slightly underestimated um, how long it would take the porters the boats um, during stage stage three mm-hmm. and it got, then the wind as well the wind picked up yeah. so that meant people were um, heading to a headwind on some of the open water sections on the west coast yeah I mean I remember there was one section we, we were paddling literally probably a K an hour. It was that windy. Yeah. That's and what, 
Yeah, you look over and it's like what same thing you've seen for the last three hours. Yeah, at one stage we decided not to go into headwind because we we're making no progress. So we just went perpendicular to the wind towards the coast and then just hugged the coast for a while. So, um, so 160k mountain bike. Yeah. So I remember getting to the top of that climb. Yeah. Um, with just normal clothing on, absolutely rain cats and dogs at the top. We had a massive descent coming up. So, um, but luckily there were some camper vans at the top, and we kind of hid in between the camper vans, put all our wet weather gear on, and just just went down this road which seemed to go on forever and ever and ever. It was great, <laughs> but it was wet. And I'd, I'd, I'd forgotten my front mudguard as well, so I was being kind of poured water on mm. from the top and bottom and the side and front and, yeah, but there we go. Um, so, maybe you know the answer. So, longest continuous climb, how long was it? Ooh, now you've got me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't actually know. Okay. <laughs> but Go it's, it, yeah, I'm guessing, I mean, the descent off that hill felt really long. I'm guessing it must be about five miles, maybe more. I don't well, know. Yes. That's, that's a... It's not bad for the UK, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that, that leads us on to the stage eight, which is a foot stage, mm-hmm. um, which is 40K long. But I think we dropped again... We were by then running uh, behind schedule to hit the um, the rafting stage in time, so we dropped like one checkpoint on that stage, um, and uh, we got a great story from that stage for you and Randy. Yep. So we um, there was a shortcut, uh, but it was across a river, so we were kind of hoping the river would be quite shallow. Uh, but when we got there, it was quite deep because we stuck our walking poles in, and it was pretty deep. So we decided to. Um, and Tom, Tom wasn't very happy. He doesn't like crossing cold water. So we all had to kind of take most of our clothes off. And uh, that's probably one of the funniest moments the whole team has had ever. Because Tom just ranted and raved about uh, how small his genitalia got. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, Lucy, Lucy was great because she, she just confronted up and said, right, follow me. And she led the way for the three guys and... I was kind of the, the the person at the back was being afraid of this cold, deep water, and you know I was I was being called every name of the sun. It was a, that was a good icebreaker for everybody. I think it lifted spirits, and uh, that that will be staying in memory forever. I think that moment. Yeah, that uh, yeah, nothing like getting halfway naked and running through <laughs> an ice cold river to to bond uh, the team. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. So, get, what was the rafting like? Was it Real rafting? Uh, yeah, so we we got to the transition and got onto the... It was initially uh, another kayak stage, and there was a few portages and that as well, quite tough. Uh, and we managed to get to the cut-off time of the rafting just in time, then we had an hour to spare. So we, we, we timed things pretty well. We, so our strategy of dropping checkpoints worked for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we knew that some of the teams were competing against had tried to stay in the long course as long as possible, and they they failed to get there in time, so they would have incurred an eight-hour penalty. So our strategy worked perfectly well. Um, the rafting itself, yeah, it was great. It, we um, it, so we had a guide with us, and he guided us down. Um, but the the guy guy himself was a bit uh, wild, I would say. <laughs> he seemed very wired, um, very full of energy. Um, yeah, so shouting loud instructions this all the time. So, well, great little rafting section. Yeah. And was it um, 
I mean, I saw a couple pictures, so it wasn't, you weren't just floating down the river. Oh, no. I think, so we were quite lucky. We, it was a water release section. So there was a dam nearby where they released the water. I think they, they, uh, water was running a bit low by the time we got there. So I think we were one of the last one or two teams to get down. Um, it was great. I enjoyed it. And then following that rafting bit, we had them paddle into, uh, along the Glengarry, uh, into Fort Augustus. And I was hoping to get find a fish and chip shop open, uh, but it was too late in the evening for one to be open. I think it was past 10, 11 o'clock, and I was a bit upset. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear you. Yeah, there's nothing like uh, thinking, yeah, we're going to get some nice, nice hot food in you, and then nothing's open. No, I'm very disappointed. <laughs> And then, uh, so that then leads us on to the final stage, which was a, a 70 kilometre mountain bike stage on the Glengarry Trail, which is um, a, it's like a track adjacent to Loch Ness. Oh. Um, yeah, which is famous. Um, yep. we, we didn't see anything. <laughs> and, uh, and the most eventful bit on that stage was I managed to bend, basically bend my rim on my rear tyre. Uh, and I thought, uh-oh, you know, 60k from the end, we're not going to make it. Um, three of my spokes went. I had a massive dent in my rim, uh, and he's wobbling quite severely and rubbing against my frame. But it managed to get just to the end. Um, mm. And we were, we were, I think Ben in particular was fighting sleep at that point. We, I think, we only got four and a half hours sleep uh, over the four or five days. And Ben really, really had bad sleep deprivation, and we had to keep keep him moving. Um, and we passed several teams and short, other short course teams on that section as well, and got to the end by I think seven o'clock in the morning on Friday. Yeah. So well in advance of the cutoff, which I think was mid afternoon, early afternoon. Yeah. So in now I looked at the result. You guys were third. We were, yeah. It's our best um, adventure racing World Series result. What? Um... I mean, what was your goal going in? Is that, I mean, that where you wanted to be? Did you exceed it? It's a good question. So, I, Tom Tom Davis uh, had uh, initially wanted to be competing for the race win, mm-hmm. uh, or at least podium. Uh, then I was coming around to the idea of thinking, well, actually, we could potentially podium um, following our sixth or seventh place in Expert Africa in another race. That we done, uh, where we were quite unfortunate actually. We we managed to lose seven or eight hours because our rear mech was smashed on one of the early mountain bike stages. Mm-hmm. So we we did quite well to finish six or seven. So we knew we went up there by comparing our stage times after that incident. Um, and then Natalie dropped out, or didn't drop out. She just wasn't available. And Lucy stepped in. Um, and Lucy, we didn't lo- we know Lucy that quite, that well. We didn't know what capabilities were. Um, I went to visit her once just to kind of get to know her a bit better, only once before the race. Yeah. And did a bit of a run with her and a bit of a bike ride. We knew that she wouldn't have that kind of day one sprint um, yeah. like some people can. Um, so we kind of lowered expectations a little bit to say, well, okay, let's just see how we get on. Let's make sure we finish as a team of four uh, primarily. And uh, make sure we enjoy it and get to the end. And so that was expectation right before starting the race. 
Um, and we just climbed, I think, gradually throughout the race from ninth after stage one uh, up to about fifth by mid-stage. And I think because of our strategy in dropping some key checkpoints during the event, that meant we finished third. Oh, amazing. Um, so a couple of questions on Lucy, the new person. Yeah. One, do you think that helped you by knowing you had a new person in 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 – would start a little slower? Again, a good question. Yeah, possibly. Um, we probably would have pushed a bit harder earlier on, particularly yeah. on maybe, um, I was at stage two, the 110 mountain bike stage. I think we may have pushed harder on that one. Yeah. Um, and, and then who knows what happens, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But then, I mean, Lucy is a very strong kayaker. Um, I don't think we've had uh, such a capable kayaker female member team member before hmm. so um <clears throat> and she's very capable on mountain bike as well but i guess by day by day two and a half day two two and a half i mean she was just as strong as the guys because the guys yeah. tend to peak early slow down yeah. whereas the girls tend to stay fairly constant yeah it, and then that kind of leads to me the second question about that <laughs> how long did it take in the race before she wasn't the new guy Oh, um, ooh, when was that? I think by the tough kayak stage with the portaging. Yeah. I think um, so. Stage one kayak, stage two kayak. It was you know, she was still the new girl. We were yeah. kind of uh, just seeing how she got on, but by day by stage three, she was a you know a key member of the team and contributing to everything that we did, um, keeping spirits high, joking, uh, checking how we were. Um, thinking through things like logistics and stuff yeah she's great yeah very cool very cool I, but to, but I to be fair stories <laughs> but to be fair to her she had done she has done three god zones yeah uh, so she, yeah so she she clearly had the endurance and the skill to do it yeah uh we we did have initial concerns about speed but uh, after day one maybe one and a half i mean those concerns are gone yeah well and it's and there's always the concern with the new person. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Um, so on a scale of one to a hundred, how was your race? Uh, <laughs> See, I could have said one to 10, but why not? Yeah, in what context? <laughs> kind of uh, um, what, what um, you want to measure? Your satisfaction with it. Uh, ooh, satisfaction. 90? Okay. Section what we achieved, how we got on, uh, enjoyment, um, yeah, very high, probably one of the highest. Yeah. It, it, it's, it still, it still strikes me as a bit odd to, to when people ask me, well, "How did you do third? It hasn't really sunk in, to be honest, because we've, as a, as a team and a squad, we've been trying to, you know, get up there for almost a decade now. We never mm. quite achieved it for one reason or the other, and. Yeah. Just it just kind of happened, which is a bit odd. Yeah. Do you think now that it's happened, it will? I don't want to say be easier, but um, it will be easier <laughs> to get Potent that result. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, yes. I think um, so. We're hoping to do Lesotho in April. Yeah. Um, I mean, Lucy doesn't even know this yet, so this might be a bit of an announcement. But <laughs> we're going to ask her to race with us again. Nice. Um, so it'll be the same Ford in Lesotho, hopefully. 
and let's see how we get on. So, but yeah, so I think you know, top five is a realistic goal. Yeah. Depend depends on the quality of teams I do enter. Yeah, and, and I mean, there's always that smashing your your rear derailleur. You'd... Yeah, I mean, I think we worked it out. If if that hadn't happened, we would have been third in that race, I think. Yeah, and our our, our leg times were fairly similar to the top three teams. But um, yeah, you just—I think that knowledge in your head that you've done it is yeah. huge. Yeah, and also as well, I mean, something I've had to learn from race to race is have have trust in your navigators. Mm-hmm. Uh, just let them do what they have to do. If they stop, just stop behind them and don't ask them. You know, where are we? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Do me to check. Just let them do what they do, and you know, just keep feeding them and keep them hydrated. Yeah. Well, that's the uh, team captain's job. Yeah, and crack the whip sometimes. Once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Is is it hard to know whether to crack the whip or give them the, I guess the stick or the carrot? Is it hard to know which one you need to do on them? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm very. What what I what we tend to do is we tend to walk all the ups and then try and run the flats and downhills, but mm-hmm. that that tends to drop away sometimes just to bring that urgency back into the team once in a while. Okay, yeah. Um, and I, I guess, I mean, Lucy was af- almost afraid to do running early in the race, but I think by halfway she was quite happy to do what we called an ultra's waddle or a jogger's waddle. Yeah. Just keep keep moving slightly faster. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the joggle, the woggle, yeah, that's a good yeah. word for it. <laughs> I think one thing we can improve on is transitions. I think our transitions are slightly longer than I would have liked. So, um, is that just maybe? I mean, do you just you, do you need to learn to focus a little more? Because when I see somebody in transition that's really fast, they almost never say a word to each other. Yeah, I guess that's a well-drilled team, though, isn't it? I yeah. mean, if you see the top teams, they've been racing together. Yeah. Uh, and they know exactly what to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I think we're we're almost there. Cool. I think yeah. I mean, if you can, you know, a couple of minutes in transition would have been big for you guys. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> w- I mean, what we tend to do is we t- we take the um, race planner schedule and then we do our own schedule and we give ourselves target times mm-hmm. uh, to start each leg and then give ourselves target times for transition. I don't think we met any of the transition times in this race. No. So you got a little work to do. That's just me being self-critical and critical of the team, but things to improve on. Well, I mean, you're at a, you're at a you know a top five level in Adventure Race World Series. You you've got to learn to be critical on yourself. Yeah. Because you're looking at you know marginal gains now. Yeah. So cool. Anything we haven't talked about? Uh, not sure. I'm get I'm coming over to the states in. August next year, hopefully. That's my plan. Oh, what you get? What are you? What are you going to do? Uh, my brother-in-law lives in Kansas, but we're gonna go over to Colorado to check out Denver, and um, I might even get a day or two to check out the Colorado Trail, hopefully on the mountain bike. Oh. So well, that's exciting. Just because I'm I'm a nice guy, you can come up to the Black Hills. We're not that <laughs> far. The the thing is. is we have all the great stuff and none of the people that Colorado has. Uh, okay. <laughs> so how like, far is that? Is it Denver from you? Six hours. Oh, okay, that's nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, like the trail that runs 
beside our house because we live in the middle of the woods is 110 miles of single track. Wow. If, if you rode it and saw 10 people, I'd be yeah. surprised. Yeah, one of the things I'm considering doing one day is a Colorado trail race. Um, that's, a, that's a beast. Yeah. Well, we have one here called the Black Hills Expedition, which is 450 okay. miles. Okay. So, I'll, I'll write that down. Yeah. So come visit. I got a place for you to stay. I got a cabin you can stay in. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Well, like I should probably do some work. Yeah. And I should probably get, get, get uh, to do yeah, this presentation for tomorrow. So cool. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm better or I just get really cool people, but this was great. Thank you. No worries. Thanks. Thanks for the uh, call, Randy. No, well, and thank you for uh, reaching out. I wish more people would. That's that's the hardest part for me is finding, you know, getting a hold of people and scheduling times and. Yeah, like, well, I know a few people in the UK that might be quite interesting. I'll uh, I'll get you in touch. Tell me, yeah, I'm I love it. So okay, cool. All right, thank you. Cheers, Andy. Bye. All right, bye. Death don't have no mercy in this land. Death don't have no mercy in this land. You come to your house and it won't stay long. You look in the bed and somebody be gone. Death don't have no mercy. In the land, but death will go in any family. In the land, death will go in every family. In the land, well, it'll come to your house and it won't stay long. Well, you look in the bed and one in the family will be gone. Death will go in any family in this land. Well, he never takes a vacation in this land. Well, oh, death never takes a vacation in this land. Well, he'll come to your house and he won't stay long. You look in the bed and your mother will be gone. Death never takes a vacation in this land. Talk. Well, he'll 
I'll come to your house and it won't stay long. You look in the bed and leave somebody will be gone. Doesn't leave standing crying in the land. Oh, there's always in a hurry in the land. Oh, there's always in a hurry in the land. Well, come to your house and it won't stay long. You look in the bed and your mother will be gone. There's always in a hurry in the land. Well, it won't give you time to get ready in this land. Well, it won't give you time to get ready in this land. Come to your house and it won't stay long. Well, you look in the bed and somebody'll be gone. That won't give you time to get ready in the land. Make your last talk. Talk to me.